Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Good morning, Calvary. Hey, so glad to see you today, and welcome to those of you that are joining us online or maybe by way of television or the podcast. So glad that you are here today. I want to encourage all of you, uh, maybe to grab your Bibles, because we're going to need those here in just a moment. Turn to Job 42, Job chapter 42 in your Bibles, and especially would encourage you if you are watching uh, on a screen somewhere right now, grab your Bible and join with us, because we're going to look at uh, kind of an extended passage of Scripture here in just a few moments, um, straight from our own copies of God's Word, and uh, are excited to do that. Well, we're starting a new series today that we are calling Reset, and uh, it's a good time of year for us to maybe just kind of stop for a moment and look at what has happened in the past, look at what's going on in the future, and maybe just kind of reset ourselves. Um, have, you ever, have you ever been in a spot where you feel like there's so much kind of going on in your brain, so much jumbling around that you just have to kind of pause for a minute and, and take a reset? Anybody ever been there? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, we have a Thursday night service, if you're not familiar with that. Our Thursday night service, seven o'clock, is just like our Sunday morning service. It's, it's the first service of the weekend, so the music's the same, message is the same. So we do those on Thursday nights. Probably about, I don't know, six, seven weeks ago, something like that, I was sitting over there in my assigned seat. You know I have an assigned seat, right? Some of you have an assigned seat too. And you'd be like, no, I don't, but just watch somebody try to take it. And, and then <laughs> I've seen it. And so I was sitting over there in my assigned seat and I had this thought come to my mind. It's like, oh, I wanna add this like, to, to my sermon. And so probably, I don't know, five years ago or so, I made a switch and I stopped printing from, from a paper uh, sermon notes and moved to preaching from my iPad. Um, it's easier to see kind of easier to kind of make changes and do some different things with, so I did that. But there is that one risk that paper doesn't have. Paper never doesn't turn on. Like, you know that, right? So I, I made a little note, closed, closed the little thing up, came up here, opened it up, and my notes weren't there. It was just like the app, you know, listing. And so I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm clicking the, the sermon and my sermon won't open. Like the app won't load my sermon. And so now I have to stand up here and just kind of ramble for a few moments. And some of you said, isn't that what you do every Sunday? No, it's not, thank you. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm trying to figure out what do I do? And eventually I realized, well, my only, my only option is to restart this thing. And so just kind of, uh, eventually I just kind of confessed, hey, here's, here's what I'm doing. And so while I was up here talking, I just you know, turned it off and turned it back on. And fortunately, I turned it back on, opened the app, and my notes were there. And uh, I didn't have to ramble like usual. I actually had notes that were there. And it would not have happened without a reset. And I think the same thing's true in some of our lives, that sometimes we kind of get locked up, we get tied up, our minds get jumbled, we get stuck, we're not in the right place, we're not functioning in the right way. And the most important thing for us to have is a reset. Does that make sense? Like, here's the deal. For some of us, it's really good at this time of year because we talked about this a few weeks ago, but whether you think it's just turning the page on a calendar or something more, God does give rhythm to our life. And a new year gives us a new rhythm to kind of have a reset. Here's another reason why I think this is so, so, so important. And I'll be honest, I'm, I'm sick of saying it, but it's been a weird two years, hasn't it? 
Like I know, I know we've, 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 we've kind of been in a season where it's easy for us to start blaming COVID or blaming politics or blaming a pandemic and it can almost sound like we're whining or crying or, or for some people looking for excuses and you can say anything you want, but let's just be honest. I've never had two years like this before. Anybody else? Like it's just been a different season. And because of that, we may need a little bit of a reset. Why? Well, let me think this through a little bit. For some of us, we've lost a lot in the last couple of years. And some of that's just life for some of us. That's, that's, that's grieving those that we've lost, that's walking through things. Some of it, it might even seem kind of silly, but, but I know a, a couple that has planned a vacation to go in the last year three different times and they've had to cancel it three different times. Now you said that's not a big deal. It's a big deal to them, isn't it? Like there's the, all these things that we've kind of gone through that we've never kind of gone through before. It's really difficult. And the other reason why I think I might need a reset It's not just because of things that have been lost, but it's because of how I've changed. Like whether I want to admit it or not, this this last season has had a toll on me. It's probably had a toll on you. I realized the other day, something that three, four years ago would have been second nature to me, it, it, it did not come to my mind to think that way until a day or two after when I should have. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Some of my, some of my, the way I think, some of the way I view the world has, has changed. I don't, I don't know why. We live in a culture right now where there's a lot of excuses, there's a lot of whining, there's a lot of crying, there's a lot of disappointment, there's a lot of frustration, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of uncertainty, there's a lot of questions. Anybody heard all the questions? And in the midst of that, how do you, how do you navigate those things? What I need is a reset. And I would propose to you that maybe what, what you need, what I need, is not just something that, that resets my mind. I think maybe I need a spiritual reset. In, in the book of Job, this is what we see Job walk through. Like if you're not familiar with this story, Job is one of the happiest books in the Bible, is it not? <laughs> oh, you've read it. Yeah, it's, it's not. Here's Job's story. Job is a guy who is known to be very righteous. He's one of the good guys. He's also been very prosperous. And what happens, and I'll let you read it for yourself, too much time and theology to go through here, but I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just sum it up for you. He loses everything. And then when Job loses everything, he's trying to figure out now what and, and why and how. And then he has friends who come over and although they might mean well, they don't help a whole lot. And you have for 37 chapters in the book of Job, it written in exquisite Hebrew poetry, It's a beautiful book, but it's no fun to read. You have them trying to figure this out, and at times they're whining, at times they're crying, at times they're asking questions, at times they're they're, they're casting blame on things, at times they're trying to walk through this whole thing and figure it out. And for 37 chapters, it's not very encouraging. And it's kind of a frustrating thing where you hear all these complaints and all these concerns and all these questions. Sounds like the last two years a little, doesn't it? And then, after 37 chapters of that, in chapter 38, God shows up. Chapter 38, and we'll read this here in just a moment, God shows up and he talks to Job and he talks to his friends and he puts everything in a, in a way where they can kind of come to terms and kind of come to terms with understanding that. And God does this, God shows up, God talks to them, chapter 38, 39, 40, 41, and when we get to chapter 42, Job has a reset. After everything that he's been through, he kind of has this spiritual reset, and here's what we read. Job chapter 42, verse one. Job says, then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things, 
No purpose of yours can be thwarted. And now he's talking to God here, right? And he says, you asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. If I had to give a title to this message today, it would be, now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. What we see Job walk through here is a spiritual reset. And I I would challenge you, I've had to challenge myself, maybe what you need, maybe what you're looking for in your life is a spiritual reset. So if that's the case, let's look at what Job has just said to us. And I wanna show you four keys to a spiritual reset. Like if you're in a place in your life right now where it would be good for you, it would be helpful, it would be wise for you to kind of have some kind of reset in your life, in your relationships, especially in your walk with God, then here's four keys to a spiritual reset. The first is this, number one, that you align your perspective. Number one, that you align your perspective. Because the reality is sometimes we find ourselves in a place where we don't quite have our bearings, where we don't quite see things the right way, where we're not quite sure that we're in the right place. Have you ever kind of felt that way? And all of a sudden you kind of get a wake up call and you go, oh wow, I need to align my perspective. I need to see things differently. I need to move to a different place. Here's a little spoiler alert. At the end of the service today, we're, we're gonna stand and we're gonna sing a song together. And so at the end of the last service, uh, we, we were standing and we were singing this song at the end. And so I was gonna come back and kind of pray at the end of that. So I was standing right behind our, our keyboard player. And as we were singing the song, I just, I just took a moment and I just thought, Lord, I need, I need your help. I need a reset in my life. So I'm standing there and I have my hands raised and I'm praising the Lord. And have you ever, you ever been in that spot where you're, maybe you're, you're praising the Lord and you got your hands raised. Maybe you've even got your eyes closed because you don't wanna be distracted. And all of a sudden you don't realize that you've shifted in some way. Anybody ever done that? So I'm over there praising the Lord about an hour ago and all of a sudden I'm rubbing my hand in the keyboard player's hair and I had no idea. I don't know if he felt it or not, but I just got, whoa, hey, praise God, hallelujah. And we're not laying hands right now. Like it was weird. What was wrong? Because I had let myself get into a place where I had drifted from where I thought I was. And what I needed was a moment where I could align my perspective and see things the right way. This is what happens to Job. Job chapter 42, verse one. We read this, Job chapter 42, verse one. We read how Job aligns his perspective. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. What happens here is after 37 chapters and everything that Job had lost and everything that he'd been through, he had to come to terms with who God really was. Instead of drifting and reaching and being in the wrong places and not seeing things in the right way, Job had to come to terms and he says for himself, I know God that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. What Job has to walk through is kind of an alignment process, get his his vision and his perspective right again. Kind of happens in three ways, I think, in this story. And and the same thing happens to us. Here's the first one. Alignment number one is this. We've got to realize that God is greater than we realize. Alignment number one, God is greater than we realize. Sometimes, and you see this in this book, we think we've got God figured out. And it's good for us to pause long enough to realize 
that he's greater than we know or fathom or comprehend. This is what Job needed. So for 37 chapters, Job and his friends contemplate and discuss and pontificate about this whole thing. And then in chapter 38, God shows up. I wanna read you a a long passage of scripture, and I'd love it, we're not gonna put it up on the screen. Instead, I'd love it if you could see it for yourself. So if you have your Bible in like a print or a digital form, it's a great time to pull it out, especially if you're at home. It's a great time for you to to grab your Bible and, and to follow along. Job chapter 38, remember, they've been talking and yakking and complaining this whole time, and then God shows up. Job 38, one. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm, and he said, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man, and I will question you, and you shall answer me. How'd you like that greeting? Verse four. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and the angels shouted for joy? Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness? When I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place? When I said, this far you may come and no farther, here is where your proud waves halt. Have uh, Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place that it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it? The earth shapes like clay under a seal. Its features stand out like those of a garment. The wicked are denied their light and their upraised arm is broken. Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me, if you know all this, what is the way to the abode of light? Where does darkness reside? Can you take them to their places? Do you know the paths to their dwellings? Surely you know, for you were already born. You've lived so many years. It's something when God gets a little spicy, isn't it? Have you entered the storehouses of the snow? I've not entered them, but I've shoveled them. Anybody else? (laughs) Have you entered the storehouses of the snow? Or seen the storehouses of the hail, which I reserve for times of trouble, for days of war and battle? What's the way to the place where the lightning is dispersed or the place where the east winds are scattered over the earth? Who who cuts the channel for the torrents of rain and a path for the rainstorm to water a land where no one lives, an uninhabited desert, to satisfy a desolate wasteland and make it sprout with grass? Does the rain have a father? Who fathers the drops of dew? From whose womb comes the ice? Who gives birth to the frost from the heavens when the waters become hard as stone, when the surface of the deep is frozen? Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades? Can you loosen Orion's belt? Can you bring forth the constellations in their seasons or lead out the bear with its cubs? Do you know the laws of the heavens? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? And for another three plus chapters, God goes on and questions Job in this way, but I think I've had enough for right now, you? Major point, God, I get it. I thought I had you all figured out, 
but I wasn't there when you laid the foundations. And I don't know how to wake up the morning. And I can't stop the waves of the sea. And I really don't know where you keep the hail. And what God is showing us is sometimes we think we've got him figured out, but he's actually so much greater than that, isn't he? He's saying, Job, I am so much greater than you can comprehend or realize. And I'd encourage you, read through those chapters, 38, 39, 40, 41, and get a glimpse into just how big he is. Why does that matter? Because alignment number one is that we realize that God is greater than we realize. And alignment number two is this, that then if that's true, God is greater than our challenges. Amen? That was so faith-filled. Hallelujah. Right? God is bigger than I can comprehend. So if I've got this challenge right here in front of me, do you think God's bigger than my challenge? Absolutely he is. He's bigger than the things that we face. And we can put our trust and our confidence in him. I love those little parts in there where God gets a little ironic or where he gets a little sassy or where he gets a little sarcastic. Why does he do that? Because he wants me to see that when I'm so tied up in my issues and my problems and my challenges, I need something that will help to shift my perspective so I can see more clearly that my problem, and I'm not saying your challenge isn't big, I'm not saying what you're facing isn't daunting, I'm not saying that what you're up against isn't life-changing, I'm not saying it's not complicated, I'm just saying that God is bigger than that, true? He's bigger than that thing, and sometimes I just need a reset to see that, for some of you, the reason that we need to talk about a reset today is because you need help to see things in a different way and to realize just how big God is compared to the things that you're facing. Because when our vision isn't right, we need that kind of help. Well, I was, I think, in the second grade when I first got glasses. And so I've worn glasses or contacts my whole life. I, I can't hardly see without some kind of you know, vision to help. So every year I go to the eye doctor and uh, for about the, the last, I don't know, seven, eight years, right, when I go, I usually have to go and say, hey, doc, I, I don't think I'm seeing as good as I did last year. So I remember, I don't know, four or five years ago, whatever, I went, and I, and I said to the eye doctor, I said, hey, I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm seeing as well as I used to. She says, well, let's run through the test, and she takes a look, and, and she says, well, you know, actually, your eyes have, have uh, um, your vision's gone downhill quite a bit in the last year. So you're not seeing distance as well as you used to. So we're gonna adjust your prescription. That's great, you know, so get new contacts, new glasses. Like, oh, I can see people sleeping better on Sundays. This is awesome, you know, and so, so that was good. So then I go back the next year and I say, hey doc, I don't think I'm seeing distance as well as I used to and this is really funny, but I'm, I'm kind of having a hard time reading as well. And she laughed at me. And she says, well, that's because you're getting older. Well, I didn't go there for that. I know that, Einstein, you don't have to tell me that. So she's like, well, we can adjust this. So I have, some of you may know what I'm talking about, like I have what's called monovision in my, like my contacts. So with this one, I read, and with this one, I see far away. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? It's true, it's, it sounds weird, but it's like, that's my brain's that jumbled, that's what's wrong with me. And so, so I got this going on. So I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's better. So then I go back the next year, and I say to her, hey, I like this monovision thing, but here's the deal. I seem to be having trouble reading again and I'm, I can't see as well far away. And she, you know, she says to me, well, it's because it's cause you're in your 40s. She says, like, this happens in your 40s. And I'm like, what happens in my 40s? She goes, well, for most people, and she says, when you're in your 40s, your eyesight kind of declines that whole time 
And then when you like hit your 50s, it kind of levels out. Now, I haven't been to the great unknown yet, so I don't know if she's telling the truth, but I'll take her word for it, right? So she says, here's how it is. She says, it's kind of like a slide. She says, your 40s are like a slide. And so while you're in your 40s, your eyes are gonna get worse and worse and worse. And then when you hit your 50s, they'll level out. And I was like, well, thanks for the encouragement. I says, that's not helpful to me at all. She says, well, I could have said your eyes are like a cliff. I at least said it's a slide. And I was like, okay, all right, <laughs> right? So what happens is then when I go, she gives me a new prescription. And then when I get the new prescription, I see things differently. I see them better. Because what's happened is time and experience and age and wear and tear and the challenges that I've been through are wearing on my vision. And as a result, I don't see things the same way. So I need someone who will come along and say, let me help you get the right perspective. Let me help you see things more clearly. Let me give you the tools you need so that you can see what's out there in front of you and then move forward. That's exactly what God is doing for Job. He's saying, Job, you've been through so much, so you're not seeing this clearly. Here's what I need to help you to see. I need you to help you to see that I'm so much greater than you realize, and if that's true, don't you think I can help you with your challenges? And you may need a, a reset so that as you're looking at what's going on in your family, as you're looking at what's going on in your job, as you're looking at what's going on in your health, as you're struggling with the things that are rolling through your brain right now as we're talking about this, you need to be reminded that there's a God who can give you a reset so you can see more clearly. The problem is, a lot of people have read these, these chapters in the book of Job and thought that God's being angry because he, he gets a little saucy with Job at times. And he comes out and he asks him question after question after question after question after question after question. And he's pointing out to Job just how much he doesn't know, which makes us want to read this and think that maybe God's angry or God's mean or he's like your grumpy neighbor or something like that. And I, I would challenge you with, I think maybe it's just the opposite. There were some researchers that did a study. Tim Harford writes about this in his book, The Data Detective. There's some folks that did a study and they called people in and they said, here's, here's what we wanna ask you. How confident are you that you know how certain common things work? They asked him about how, how does a toilet flush or how does a bicycle work or how, how does even like, how does a zipper work? They asked people that. And they said, on a scale of one to 10, how confident are you that you know how this will, will work? And in fact, it was a scale of one to seven, excuse me, one to seven. And most people put themselves at a six or a seven. They're like, oh, I use a zipper all the time. I know exactly how a zipper works. Well, I flush toilets every day. I know how a toilet flushes. And so these people are kind of like, yeah, I know all about it. And then the researcher said, great, here's what I want you to do. Here's a pen and paper. I want you to step-by-step step write out how those things work. And if you can draw diagrams, that would be really helpful. We'll be right back. And so now these people are challenged with not just saying they know something, but actually figuring out if they know something. And most of them weren't as wise and smart as you. And most of them said, well, actually, I, I don't know that I do know how a zipper works. I'm not really sure I know what exactly happens when I push that little handle. And when the researchers came back, people had to admit, I, I don't know as much as I thought I did. And when they asked them to rate themselves again on a scale of one to seven, almost to a person, they all took that score down because it was important for them to take a moment and realize what they did not know. Isn't it good sometimes to realize what you do not know? And God is saying to Job here, Job... <laughs> I wanna, I wanna ask you these questions, not because I'm mad, not because I'm angry, 
because I want you to see how great I am. Think about it. If God was really mad at Job, would he have spent four chapters asking him questions? No, he'd have zapped him. Right? Or at least he'd have yelled at him and just told him off. Says, Job, this is the way it's going to be. You know what it's like when you're really ticked. Do you stand around and ask questions? No, you just tell somebody how it is. What God is doing here is just like what they did in that study. He's wanting Job to see, Job, there's so much more than what you know. Why? Because God is greater than you realize, and he's greater than your challenges. And the third alignment I want you to see is this. God is gracious to his children. He's not trying to zap Job here. He is drawing him in so Job will see his greatness. And your God loves you. And he wants you to know this and to see this. And the very first step, if you're gonna get this reset in your life, is to recognize just how great he is and just how much he loves you, which will then lead us to the second key if you're gonna have a spiritual reset. Number two, you have to embrace humility. Kind of the second step in this, if you need a spiritual reset, is to embrace humility. Job chapter 42, verse three. Job is in the midst of his reset, and here's what he says. Job 42, verse three. As he's talking to God, he says, you asked who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. Job comes to this point where he recognizes that he doesn't have it all figured out and that God is great and he is not. And what Job needs is to humbly admit who God is and what God can do in our lives. Some of us need a reset because in this world in which we've lived that has had so many opinions and so many complaints and so many questions and so many voices, it has allowed us to be in a place where we're so focused on ourselves. Maybe what we need in this season is to stop and embrace some humility. Just like Job says, say, God, I spoke of some things I did not understand, things that are too wonderful for me to know. And instead, God, I need to trust in you. Why is this so important? The longer I live and the more I'm involved in ministry, I am more and more convinced of the point that humility is essential to personal and spiritual progress. If I I wanna win in relationships, it's gotta start from a place of humility If I want to move forward in the things that God has called me to do, I've got to humbly know that I need him. And if I'm going to spiritually grow in my life, it has to start from a place where I say, God, I recognize that what I need is you. And for some of us, the very first step in this this reset process, whether it's because it's a new year or whether it's because God's trying to do a new thing, is that you recognize that, God, I need you, and you embrace that humility in your life. Why? Because, because we live in a culture, and I think it's just human nature, that when something's not right, when it doesn't feel right inside of me, the very first thing that I try to do is blame somebody else. Isn't that true? Well, it's what's going on around me, or it's what you did, or not, you're just right there, Tom, sorry. You, we're cool, right? Okay, all right, good. Like, like it's just you, you want to find a way to blame somebody else because that's our human nature, right? So I, I remember being junior high, going to camp, so we're at church camp, and we're about halfway through the week, and I remember one day, a friend of mine, we were, in the, we were in the room, and we're all just kind of hanging out in there, and a friend of mine's going through his bag, and all of a sudden, he just starts yelling, somebody, 
somebody stole my money. And he just starts yelling, somebody stole my money. And you can immediately, I remember this so clearly because you can immediately see the camp counselor just looking at all of us like we were crooks, right? Eyeballing us all, one of us is going to camp jail. You know, you can see this happen. And dude's just going through his bag, but he's just yelling the whole time, somebody stole my money, somebody stole my money. And finally, the counselor had enough sense to kind of go over and go, hey man, what's going on? Can't find my money, somebody stole it, you know? And then they start looking and they're thinking it through and eventually they're able to go back a couple of days find the pair of shorts he had from a couple of days before, reach in the pocket, and guess what was there? His money. So he had misplaced his money, which of course meant that somebody had stolen it, right? Because what do we do? Our human nature is when something isn't right, it can't be us. When something isn't right, I immediately gotta go, I've been done wrong, something hasn't happened the way it should, it's somebody else's fault, and if I'm truly gonna move forward, I gotta come to terms with the fact that sometimes it's me. Sometimes I'm at the place. There's no reset without responsibility. Like at some point, if I wanna see a reset in my life, I've gotta embrace humility and say, God, help me to take a good look inside. There is no reset without responsibility. And God, I need your help. God even calls Job out. We won't take the time to read it, but when you, when you get to Job chapter 40, verse eight, God even calls Job out and he says, he says, Job, you're gonna blame me for this? Like, you think this is on me? And sometimes the thing that blocks us from, from coming to God is because we've, we've put so much blame on him for the very real loss and difficulties and struggles we've had in life, when instead we should be coming to him and saying, God, you're greater than those things, and I need to humbly come to you and just say, God, you're what I need to own the responsibility for yourself and then move forward. There's this passage in Ecclesiastes chapter five that's really helpful. Ecclesiastes chapter five, verse one, Solomon writes, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. That's a good thing to keep in mind, isn't it? <laughs> God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. A dream comes when there are many cares and many words mark the speech of a fool. Sometimes the reason I have a hard time embracing humility is because there's things I don't understand. Like I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to cast blame. I'm trying to, to put all the puzzle pieces together. I wanna know that I can connect all the dots and see the finished picture. Anybody else like that? And sometimes humility calls me to go, God, some things are just too wonderful for me. So in this instance, Lord, I'm gonna recognize that you're in heaven and I'm on earth. You're greater than I am. So I'm gonna let my words be few here. Job says in chapter 40, I put my hand on my mouth. Lord, and I recognize who you are. These are critical steps that get us to the third thing, right? I recognize who God is and that aligns my perspective. And then I embrace humility because I gotta see where I am in the midst of this, which takes us to the third thing. Then number three, if you want a spiritual reset, number three, then you look for a personal encounter with God. You look for a personal encounter with God. I say this very deliberately, but it's not just that you have a personal encounter with God, which sounds like that you randomly stumble into it. I think you need to look for it. 
Here's, here's what Job says, Job chapter 42, verse four. Talking to God, he says, you said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. After 42 chapters and losing everything, Job comes to the point where he says, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Isn't it different when you see something for yourself? When I was 19, I had the privilege to spend a couple of months um, working in a church in Dublin, Ireland, and it was an incredible experience. And, and I had done all kinds of research and studied and, and looked because I wanted to know, and I had seen pictures of the mountains in Ireland. I mean, my last name's Gilligan. It's an obligation, right? And I remember <clears throat> a few days into being there, we took a drive out through the Wicklow Mountains outside of Dublin, and I had heard all about them. I'd even seen pictures. But when I saw it for myself, when it was with my own eyes, I can remember sitting in that tiny little car and looking out the window, and I just kept going, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. I kept saying it out loud, this is so beautiful, this is so beautiful. Eventually, they're like, Chad, shut up, we know. But it just hit me in this way. It's like, I've heard about this, but I've never seen beauty like this before. And when you see it for yourself, it gets you. Look, I can, if you've never been to the Grand Canyon, I can stand here all day and tell you how incredible it is but that doesn't even compare to when you stand way too close to the edge and look out over that expanse. Because when you see it for yourself, it's so much more different and powerful and impressive and impactful than if I just tell you about it. Isn't that true? Look, some of us, that's so what we need because you've spent your life hearing about God, but you need to have an encounter with him for yourself where you can say, not just God, I've heard about you, but I've seen you. Listening to somebody talk about God on a Sunday morning once a week is not enough. You need to know him for yourself. If if your spiritual encounter is what God did in the life of your grandparents or of your parents, but not in your own life, it's time for you to say, God, I need an encounter with you for myself. If coming to church is just a habit, but you don't know that you've ever really experienced his presence, to really know that he is Emmanuel, God with us, then you need an encounter for yourself. For some of you, the whole reason you're here is because somewhere in the past you had an encounter with God. The reason you're watching this is because you're longing for one or you used to know one. But today what you need is to just say, God, I need an encounter with you for myself. I need to know you for myself. It's not enough to just have had or hope for. I want to see you. I don't want to just hear about you. I want to see you. Anybody else? Ask God to give you a fresh encounter of his presence. That's where the reset happens. I got to get some things out of the way. I got to see things right now in my perspective, and I got to embrace humility so I can push myself aside. But the reset happens when I experience God's presence. When God showed up, that's when everything changed for Job. And that's when everything can change for you. Because what happens is, and especially with the media and the, the conversations and the things that are happening now, is we can find ourselves in a place that we just hear that things are so bad and things are so difficult and there's so much trouble that we can just get stuck in this place and we only see things from our perspective. You know, one of the, one of the roles that comes to me as a pastor is oftentimes I, I get a privilege to 
interact with people in some of the toughest times of their lives. And some of those are relational situations. When people have challenges in their friendships, relationships with one another, conflict, oftentimes it's in marriages. Somebody says, hey, can I come in and talk to you about something? So they sit down and you talk with them and they start telling you how another person is treating them. They start telling you what's going on in that relationship. They start telling you these, and I've had to learn this, I've had to learn this the hard way. People start telling you these things and the more they start telling you, the more you're like, boy, that dirty little... I can't believe he said that. I can't believe she's like, I can't believe that. Well, that, I think the biblical word is dirtbag. That dirtbag, right? And the next time you're walking through the atrium, next time you see him, you're like, well, I can't believe that you're, hey, how are you? It'd be great if we could get together, don't you think? And so then the other person comes in and you sit down, you're having a conversation and all of a sudden they start telling you how the other person treated them. And you're like, well, that conniving little snake. I didn't hear that part. And then you start hearing and you realize that there's more of the perspective. What you need to hear is both sides of the, right? You need both sides of the story. Well, what happens is so many times when I let life get the best of me, I find myself in a place where I'm just sitting here and it's just kind of woe is me. And that's all I can see. But when I have an encounter with God, then all of a sudden he helps me to see both sides of the story. Like he changes my perspective and he helps me to not just look inwardly, but to see who he is. This, this isn't just something that you need. Look at this, Psalm 73. This goes all the way back to the Old Testament. The psalmist is having a hard time because he's, he's frustrated with the injustice that he sees in the world around him. And he's so frustrated that he says, if I had spoken out that like that, the way the things he wanted to say, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. Until I put myself in a place where I could have a personal encounter with God, until I found myself where somehow I could experience your presence, and then I understood their final destiny. He said, God, I was a mess. And then when I hung out with you, that's when I saw the other side of the story. And then I understood and friends, so many times we stay stuck there when what we need is an encounter with his presence. So here's, here's where the rubber meets the road. Here's, here's the encouragement. Here's where some of you really need a reset because you've let life put you in that place where you need a reset. And, and this is the hard part. This is where the work comes in. You have to put yourself in a position to experience the presence of God. You have to put yourself in a position to experience the presence of God. And I, and I say that really deliberately because oftentimes we think it's just gonna naturally happen, but guess what? I need to put myself in a place to do that. Do you, do you have, many of you probably uh, have, have some kind of digital connection in your life, right? You do, and somebody says to you, hey, did you see that YouTube video? Or hey, have you watched that new show? And you go, oh, no, I haven't, but I need to check it out. Right, and you have those things, that video goes viral, and there's this kind of, all this kind of stuff. And at some point, though, you have to take the steps to check it out, you have to see it. Is anybody, anybody here, this is not a confession of sin, there's no judgment here. Do you subscribe to any streaming services? Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, Disney Plus, do you know what I'm talking about? And, oh, you're all so righteous, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, all right, cool. So you know that that didn't just happen. Like at some point you had to, you had to go and you had to download the app and, th and then you had to subscribe or at least steal somebody's password, we'll confess that later. And then, 
And then you have to, you know, you have to consider what you're going to watch. And you have to go through those steps before what you're looking for is going to stream to you. And then you see it. You didn't just hear about it from your friends. You saw it for yourself. And I'll tell you, the, the Holy Spirit, and I believe this, is always streaming his truth and streaming his hope and streaming his life to us and his direction and guidance in our lives. We'll look at this here in a couple of weeks, but at some point you gotta stop and you gotta tune in and you gotta download and you gotta be willing to receive what the Holy Spirit wants you to see and know. Does that make sense? How do you do that? Well, you, sometimes you do it by what you tune into, sometimes you do it by what you tune out. You gotta, you gotta get into God's word you got to believe that the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you. We'll, we'll actually look at this again here in a couple of weeks. But here's my encouragement to you. It will not happen on accident. God says, you, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And when you're willing to go, God, I need, I need an encounter with you. God, I need to know you. That's where the reset begins. And then you begin to live in a whole new way. Here it is, number four. This, this is the one that could be a game changer for all of us. Less of me and more of God. If you wanna take that next step in having that spiritual reset in your life, this is really what it comes down to, a willingness to say, Lord, less of me and more of God. How's Job conclude what he says to God? Verse six of Job chapter 42. Therefore, he says, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. The language is pretty extreme here, but if you dig right down, even look at the original languages, here's what he's saying. God, I need less of me, and I need more of you, because I can't do this on my own. This iPad wouldn't start there on that Thursday night because it was all wound up in itself, and the spiritual reset had to put it in a place where it could move forward. Look, our lives are spiritually reset when we focus on who God is more than we fixate on who we are. And in a world that has been so full of questions and uncertainty and frustrating things, the very best thing I can do is to stop and say, God, more of you, less of me, to focus on who God is more than I fixate on who we are, who I am and what I'm going through. That can be a game changer that makes all the difference. But let me, let me just address one other thing real quick because some of you hear all of this and you're like, well, Chad, that's pretty, pretty good stuff. That's good truth. I didn't sleep as much as usual, so thank you. But I'm not sure it's for me. Do you know what one of Job's big problems through this whole book was? He, he put this wall between him and God he constantly put this division between him and God for whatever reason, when the whole time God was saying, Job, I'm right here, and I love you, and it might not feel like it right now, but I'm walking through this whole thing with you. And one of the most important lessons that comes in this book, it's interesting, when Job says that he needed to repent, that word repent, we often look at it in a negative way, but you get to the root of that meaning, it also has the idea of comfort, that comes, so I'm repenting so that things can be right. I'm repenting so that things can be different. I'm repenting so that you and I can be in a right place. And what he's saying is, God, I understand now in this moment that you're not my enemy. See, God is not our enemy, God is our friend. 
And if you need a reset, don't spend 42 chapters thinking God is out to get you. I want you to know right now, not only is he for you, he is your friend and he wants to help you experience that reset in your life and he can do it today. There's a couple that recently got married in Manchester, England and they booked the, the big town hall that was there and they were all ready for their celebration and um, just before the wedding, they got a notification and they were told, hey, you don't have to change anything. None of your plans need to change, but you just need to know that on that same day, later after your wedding, there's gonna be a VIP that's coming to that building and it's gonna be kind of a big event. So there may be some different things. You might have to go through some security checks and this kind of stuff. It's a little bit different. So just, just so you know. So they start researching like who's the VIP that's coming. And it was, it was just the Queen of England who was gonna be there. They're like, wow. And the husband goes, well, we ought to invite her to the wedding. So they wrote her a real lighthearted little letter, just kind of like, hey, we know you're gonna be in town. Just want you to know you're invited to the wedding. Ha ha, you know, kind of thing. Send it. They get a letter back from like her personal assistant that just basically was just real nice. And was just like, well, hey, thank you for the invitation. We wish you the very best, you know, and just kind of thing. So they just kind of laughed about it. It was just kind of funny, kind of cool. So they have their wedding. They get done with the wedding. And then some of the staff from the venue say, hey, can you come here for a moment? And they take them into a hallway and they stand there for a moment. And guess who comes walking out? But Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip and all their entourage and all their security, and these people are just standing there. Here's a picture of them just kind of standing there dumbfounded because there they are meeting the queen. The queen comes out. How do you feel now that you're married? The prince shows up and he goes, now you're going to Italy. Where exactly are you going on your home? Like he knew all about them, what they were doing, and they never expected this to happen because they didn't think that somebody so great would actually care. And some of you hear this message today and you're like, cool, yeah, I could, I could use a reset, but I don't really believe they could make a difference in my life. Because somehow in your heart, you think that somebody so great doesn't really care. Can I tell you more than the Queen of England, God is waiting for you. And he's not your enemy and he is your friend and he wants to embrace you and he wants you to have a personal encounter with him. Whatever it is that you need from him in your life today, he is here and it'll start by saying, God, help me to see from your perspective and to humbly come to him and say, God, I just need a personal encounter with you. So would you stand with me here, please? And team's gonna come and lead us in a song here in just a moment. But I'm gonna invite you just to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. And to take a good look inside and ask yourself, do I need a reset? Some of you are listening to this podcast you're in your home, you're driving your car, you're, you may be in the middle of doing something right now, but would you stop for just a second and say, God, what do you want to reset in my life? If you're sitting at home or you're watching this on a screen somewhere, it could be easy to, to let yourself be distant in this moment, but can I tell you the Holy Spirit is right where you are and he's available to help, to give you a personal encounter with him. Look, if you're in this building right now, I know that the Holy Spirit is here. And the work that he could do in your heart in these next few moments is greater than anything else that we could, we could ask or imagine. And some of you would even say, Chad, I, I don't need a little reset in my life. I need a whole reset of my life. I've been trying to do this on my own and I can't do it anymore. And I need the forgiveness that only Jesus can bring. And I need the healing that can only come from God's son. The Bible tells us that Jesus died for our sins on the cross. 
and that he rose again and lives today so that he can give you life and he can give you purpose and he can give you meaning. And if you need that today, there's no better time than right now to say, Jesus, I give you my life. And Lord, in this moment, we acknowledge that you are such an awesome God. You're greater than we could ever realize. You're bigger than anything that we face. And so humbly, we come to you. Lord, we say that we need a reset from you. We need a personal encounter with you. Jesus, that you would change our lives. Holy Spirit, that you would do a work that only you can do. Lord, we we ask that there would be less of us, that we'd see more of you. You are such an awesome God. In Jesus' name, amen. You call the sun to
praise today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. So here's what's, here's what's interesting about a message like the one today. Like, like there's, there's kind of two parts to it. Like the one is where you say, God, I just need an encounter with your presence. The other is then I have to live my life in a way that's reset, like to go in that way and, to, and look through the lenses and say, God, more of you, less of me. Lord, I, I make you number one in my life. So I don't know why or what it is or where it might be, but if you're here or you're watching this somewhere, you're listening to this and you would just say, Lord, as I walk out of this service, as, as I wrap this up, God, I need a reset from you. If that's you, would you just raise a hand? Right, just right where you are. God, I need a reset. I want to pray for you. Whatever it is, whatever's going on. Anybody else? Just, God, I need a reset. Lord, thanks for your word. Lord, that in a, in a day and time where there's so much confusion and even loss, Lord, and in a season where for some of us, it's just a difficult time. Lord, in our hearts in a brand new year that's filled with opportunity and, and hope from you, Lord, what we need is a reset. So Lord, help us to never forget that you're bigger than anything that we face. And Father, we humbly come to you and say, we may not have it all figured out. We might not, but, but God, we need you. So Lord, may we, even this week, go through and say, Lord, there's things we've heard, but my eyes have seen you. And as we encounter individuals, as we face challenges, as we move through from day to day, may we remember, God, that you are our friend, that you are with us, that you never leave us, you never forsake us. And may it be more of you, less of me, May we see your special favor, your wonderful peace at work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.